You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down, or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart, and I'm Jared McKenna, and this is Inverse. I'm so glad we're all getting a chance to hang out. And next time uh, you're playing around Philly, you'll yeah. have to spend some time with with Drew. Oh, man, I was going to say, you. you know, I saw the roots, and I was like, "Hey, Philly in the house!" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Black Thought, man, he's my like favorite yeah. MC, man. So yeah, for sure, I would love to be an honor, man. That, that's my, my my closest uh, connection to fame is one of my um, childhood friends growing up. His name, you'll, you'll know the connection immediately, Steve Poiser. So okay. James Poiser, the keyboard player yeah. on the, for the Roots, that's, yeah. that's his uncle. So, yeah. Nice. No way. Yeah. Nice. That's crazy. Man, um, nice. We recently had um, Otis Moss III on, uh, and uh, one of the people in his congregation is Common. So in yeah. terms of conscious <laughs> hip-hop, that, that was pretty uh, amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's very cool. Well, mate, this is fun. Um, I'm a massive fan. I've been sending Drew stuff and um, he's like, this is dope. So it's a real honour to, to have you on, uh, but not just musically. And I know that um, Conscious Hip Hop sometimes gets, how does uh, Michael Eric Dyson um, has said that, you know, no one wants to be the, the vegetables of hip hop. You know, your mum says you should eat your greens. Um, uh, but it not merely um, you, what you do musically, but what you do with the rest of your life, I love. And I know that's um, how initially we've connected. So thanks for making the time to, to chat some and humour us and um, share your gifts and talents with the world. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. It's been too long since I've seen you, man. So any excuse to, to hang and chat and chop it up is you know, uh, a gift. Any excuse. Now, um, we usually start with a passage. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, you're the first Sikh we've had on the show. Nice. Um, so um, uh, Muslims, yes. Heap of atheists, you know, in Australia, they're, they're easy to come by. whole bunch <laughs> of agnostics, um, uh, Christians and Jews. But um, we're really pleased to um, uh, have no pressure, but you're repping your people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when, you, when you're from a, a minority community in Australia, you just have to get used to doing that on the regular anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so um uh we're gonna play around in um luke 14 um and we talked at starting at, at verse 7 w- were you comfortable reading that yeah man did you want me to just read um seven yeah i reckon we go seven to 24 let, let, let's give people the actual uh um uh passage uh and and then we can uh play around from there okay cool so um i'm just reading it off um uh, a search on the, on on Google. So just correct me if anything's incorrect. Um, <laughs> Wonders of Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and excuse my pronunciations as well. I'm not as familiar with the Bible, but let's. Um, I'll give it a crack. So one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was carefully he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. 
When he noticed, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the, time of this, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Thank you. Boom. Thank you for reading that. So Thanks, um, we're going to switch up. And before we ask, we'll come back to that passage in a little bit to discuss it. But um, but I'm, I'm interested to know um, when you first encountered hip hop. <laughs> Can you tell that story? Yeah, yeah man, most definitely. So like, when I reflect on this, I think of just how much of a coincidence it is, but also like how how global hip hop was before the internet like really mm. you know became this this thing that connected everyone together so i I first heard hip hop I reckon when I was a kid in primary school, the first thing I heard of hip hop that I can remember that wasn't that was influenced by hip hop was actually the rap in a Pokemon TV show. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> right. So if I, if I'm trying to track back to when I was a, the youngest, right. And then when I actually yeah. heard hip hop music, it would have been in year six in school, a friend of mine, like one of my closest friends, he had uh, somehow had a bought copy of Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP. <laughs> and, um, you know, back in, in that day, like you, you couldn't go, if you were under 18, you couldn't go to the store and buy you know, an album that was, you know, explicit like that. It was in a case, like a, a lock proof case. So you needed parental permission to get it. And I knew his mom. So I was like, yo, like your mom did not buy you this album. So I how he got the album. Um, and so, you know, he bought me a copy of the album and, you know, that was the first um, hip hop record I listened to. 
then, you know, I, I, I just kind of dived into the music after that. I was just fascinated by the style and, and the storytelling. And, you know, from there it was, you know, my biggest um, obsession when it came to hip hop was Tupac. Mm. And, and, yeah. and, and Tupac initially, when I first heard one of his songs, the first song I heard of his actually was Hit Em Up, which for anyone who knows, um, you know, that's like as a teenager living in your parents' house, I've got the speakers loud and I press play <laughs> on Hit Em Up and this is the first, I'm like, oh, who's Tupac? Hit em, I press play and it's just like, that first line, I'm just like, whoa, turn it right down. Like, no, one, no one heard it. And uh, I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't listen to this Tupac guy, you know. Um, but later came back to his music because on Rage, which is like a TV yeah, um, yeah. music video TV show here in Australia, they were playing um, his song Changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah and after that, it was just you know, game over. I became obsessed with everything Tupac and, um, you know, through his music was inspired to learn about where the music came from, learned yeah. about um, his mother, yeah. Black Panther, learned about civil rights movement. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, it was after that, it was just, I just connected to it and related to it as a, as a, as a migrant um, of, of, you know, as a, Australian born to migrant parents in Australia who come from a people with a strong social justice and mm. um, human rights foundation and base. Um, mm. And just, it just connected with me on so many levels. I, I became obsessed and, you know, hip hop has just been so much a part of my life since, since then. That's amazing. So yeah. your first album was Tupac? The first album I got was the the Eminem Marshall Mathers yep, album, the burnt copy, right? Right. Um, and um, the first album, hip hop album I bought, I can't even remember. It it it, it might have been a Tupac album. It might have been his Better Days album, maybe. Um, oh no, actually, I remember my mom bought that for me on one of my birthdays. Um, this was years later. Um, so I can't remember the first hip hop album I bought. Well, how about you, Drew? First hip hop album. Let me think. What was my first hip hop album? You know the first. So uh, <laughs> um, initially, probably the stuff that I was had was was from recording music live. Uh -huh. So in Philly, we had um, the Nine at Nine. So it was the top nine songs at nine. So we would like. I remember um, somebody gifted me. This was. So I think I'm a little older, but. Someone gifted me like some like DC talk thing. And I was like, there's no way I'm listening to this. So of course you take that thing over, right? And I think that was like one of the first uh, started recording songs and you know, so, but um, I'm trying to think purchase, you know, I had um, actually one of my earliest was probably like Heavy D, honestly, Heavy yeah. D. Um, but I, I ended up becoming a big Nas fan. Yeah. All the bad boys stuff, Biggie, Junior Mafia, all that stuff um early on tupac certainly although i didn't own any of his albums mm. um let me think what else was yeah early early oh so, yeah uh, i had um i'm blanking on i'm blanking so i got i got a anyway. few years on on you guys so i um for me it was primary school as well and uh it was hammer don't hurt him 
And that was, <laughs> you own that. You own the actual album. Yes, I, yes, I do. And um, uh, the, the the song "Pray" in particular, I was oh, like, yeah, "This yeah, is yeah. amazing." And I remember hearing um, Prince's "When Doves Cry" and being like, oh. "Hey, he's stolen this from Hammer." <laughs> I, kid, I kid you not. That was my kind. Of, um, uh, but there were other things on the album. Like I remember awkward conversation. Um, uh, with my mum, like, what does she soft and wet refer like? It was like listening to that in the car and be like, uh, oh, this is a conversation I don't want to have with my mum. Like, this is, <laughs> that was a Prince reference as well. Um, that was a, a Prince uh, sample. So your story is considerably cooler than mine, Elfresh, <laughs> Fresh, um, which, which probably is why you are where you are and I am where, where I am. Um, uh, that, that question, of course, that Drew asked is kind of a, a riff on um, where we usually start with question. people with... Uh, uh, sorry, Drew, you, you, yeah. you jump yeah, off that. So, so the question we normally ask, which um, we'd be curious to hear in terms of your own story, is when do you actually remember um, first encountering biblical scripture? Like, is there a particular moment where you remember encountering it and, and how, how did you respond and engage that moment? Yeah, man, that's a great question. And like, it's, it's, it's something I've never consciously thought about. Huh. Yeah. And I think if I was to track back, I know in primary school, there was scripture classes, right? But see, really? I remember, yeah, there were scripture classes in primary in, school. In Liverpool. Yeah. So I went to, um, I lived in, in Glenfield, which is on the border of Liverpool and Campbelltown. Uh -huh. And um, went to Glenfield Primary School and there were scripture classes. And um, huh. I remember growing up at that time, you know, I think it was, I was of that generation where they're really, I don't know if this, this happened before, Jared, maybe you'd be able to comment on this, but it was. <laughs> as, was as the elder. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I remember at that time, like people didn't want to talk about religion. Mm. You know, like it, that, that it just started feeling like that was the, the era that I was kind of, a part of that generation where it was like from primary school through to the end of high school, no one really wanted to talk about religion in school. No one wanted to talk about it in public. Like it just wasn't a thing that, and then when you did talk about it, no one wanted to like really be a part of that conversation. That's what it felt like anyway. Mm. Um, and so scripture classes, like I remember attending like one or two and then being exempt from them because I wasn't Christian or, or, or something like that. Like I didn't have to go. And so mm. I just, you know, I, I didn't end up going. Um, I also remember, you know, obviously like, and again, not being conscious of it until being asked this question, like obviously all right. the, 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 the references in hip hop music, you know, That's like right. so much, um, right. right, so much, you know, and especially listening to Tupac, you know, like, mm. yeah. um, oh, yeah, it's so much. Yep. Um, and even just the way he, he talks about his life and the parallels he makes or tries to make and, you know, with talking about his, his journey and then, you know, the, I was obsessed with the Tupac Resurrection documentary, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and that's yeah. such a, a, a reference to to, to, uh -huh. to the life of Jesus. And so, like, there was just so much of stuff that 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 was I was I suppose digesting as part of hip hop culture, and then I suppose just as part of contemporary culture in Australia that was somewhat there in the periphery, but I never really focused on it. Um, it wasn't probably until. Um, uh, after, uh, well, no, in high school, I did, I, I, in, my, in year 11 and 12, I took studies of religion because it gave me an opportunity um, to really also um, 
dive into my own faith mm. because up until that point, I, I, you know, I wasn't really, I went through periods of being really proud of, of who I was and, and, and what I was a part of and what I was born into and learning about that and stories that my parents told me and being a part of that the Sikh community. But then also, you know, being a, a minor, being a part of a minority group also wasn't proud of that. So like, you know, being in year 11 and 12, um, I gave me an opportunity to, to kind of do that. And then um, after high school, when I was in uni, I started working um, at a place in Liverpool, a youth centre called the Street University, which um, was uh, a child organisation of the Ted Nuffs Foundation. It was, was he a Methodist? Was it? Methodist? Yeah, that's right. And became Uniting Church. He, he's a legend in Australia, Drew, um, his work amongst um, those with their backs against the wall. Like he's, right. yeah. Yeah, so um, I got to work for the Ted Nost Foundation and learn about his work in King's Cross through the Wayside Chapel. Um, but what really grabbed my attention was his concept of the family of humanity. Mm. And he was talking about, you know, that, you know, regardless of who you are, where you're from, what your background is, your social status, you know, whatever it might be, we are all a part of this family of humanity. And, you know, um, that really appealed to me. And um, he was talking about it from the, his perspective as as a leader within the community um, and also then hearing about how he was also, you know, disregarded by many of his contemporaries because of, you know, some of his um, work and some of the views that he held through this concept of family of humanity. There's a fire in my chest, man, I'm feeling it. It's alive and it drives me to excel at this. So I rise up and when I finally get a bit, I'm reminded that I'm still a second-class citizen. They tell me to go home, but I come from here. I can see it in the eyes that don't want me here. They tell me to play high, but the game ain't fair. Given a level playing field, I make a rain out here. We were running a race and you gave me a handicap. I turn around and have one of my legs attached to So you set it up for me the best you could. That ain't justice when it all just as good. We've been waiting, but man, it's a long line. Ask us always the wrong time. They say this is yours, but what's yours is mine. But yeah, I gotta get mine. Villages where when people disappear, they ain't the witnesses. We came up from the dust to manifest riches here. So excuse my smile when they try to tell me what struggle is. Cause we saw it all when we came here. Worked the jobs to feed the to make a name here. Never been a slave to the game, but the change it. You need links to break the chains here. I ride or we drive to make a lane here, but I'm thankful my own kids to be raised here. They will do that as simple what I made here, but to then I'ma be stuck with the same deal. Working all day and night. Trying to stay 
place ain't playing the game that they give us to my eyes what we want but they never really listen we would never feel changed so we change the system and i try to be part of it but lost my heart in it trying to get by without being targeted when we make our own and work our backs up there's no gasoline when the man wants more that's cool i rise in the game with a flame that's cool my back's too strong for the cane that's cool why do i gotta explain that we want is a chance to be treated the same that's cool my people never big on the knees that's cool we would never die for the cheese that's cool we would rather break the trap and never fake the rap to the day that i'm gone we've been waiting but man it's so online it's always the wrong time They say, this is yours But what's yours is mine But yeah, I gotta get mine And then, you know, the next, I suppose, connection with, with um, you know, uh, was, was through Jared, you know, and meeting Jared. I, I can't remember how, like, we definitely connected on Twitter. Um, I actually think it happened through Dave Pocock, who, who's ah, a, a mutual yeah, friend. Yeah, okay. So um, yeah. I, I remember Dave going, hey, have That's you fine. heard El Fresh stuff? And um, I was like, no, and felt embarrassed that uh, I didn't. And he's like... Uh, were you being played on Triple J at the time or something yeah. like that? Um, yeah. And then we connected um, through there. Yeah, that's right. And I learned about um, what you're doing with First Home Project and yeah. um, was really inspired inspired by that and, and came to, to stay with you when we when I was on tour. Um, uh, with the whole band, yeah, uh, yeah. Mira and the crew. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. amazing. So um, it, it meant that I got tickets automatically because, like, you guys are at my house. That was dope. <laughs> So, I, you know, going back to your question, like, for me, I never really dived into scripture itself. It, it, my, my, my connection with or experience of, you know, um, was with scripture and practice through the people I was meeting, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. whether it was, you know, at the Tednos Foundation and with the work that we're doing and hear about, um, you know, um, Tednos himself and then Jared and, and, and just the hip hop references and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So I, you know, I know it's it's funny, man. Like before moving out at out home, just um, recently, like my mom, uh, my mom has a copy of the Bible at home, huh. and I, I was like, Ma, you know, like what have you got this for? You know, and she was like, and, and um, and she put it out. She's it's on one of the um, corner tables that we have in 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 the room where like mom prays in and mom and dad pray in this, in the uh, room, and then. Uh, just in it's like um next to that room we've got like a corner side table there and she's got a few things on there like where she keeps stuff like her incense and whatnot and she's got the bible sitting there i'm like my why have you got it sitting there and she was like well you got to respect you know the 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 scriptures of of um you know of of um of of, of people you know what i mean like you got to res- respect it and, and treat it with 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 high regard because they do you know Wow. Um, and she's just got it wow. sitting. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never read it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Elfresh, uh, for a lot of people, um, Sikhism might be, uh, 
the crew who have been doing these incredible food drives during the pandemic um, that that's been in people's imaginations recently um, or um, uh, those uh, poor people who end up target of Islamophobia because people don't know how to differentiate Muslims from Sikhs despite mm -hmm. the history and like um, uh, how, how when when people ask you and particularly with your work in um, in prisons um, and uh, amongst uh, uh, youth who are like doing it rough and all the rest when you're running workshops on hip-hop and uh, kids do ask about your tradition well, how do you sum it up what, what's your what's your way of like packaging it in such a way that they can unwrap and understand um, this tradition that you're a part of yeah it, it, and usually like when especially young people like they don't ask like you know a broad question they ask a specific question you know what i mean like they're like why do you wear a turban like why 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 do you grow grow your beard like that you know what i mean like right. um or you know why do you wear those bangles and you know like so they'll ask a question that's quite specific like that which you know then i kind of i try not to dive too deep into it unless i i genuinely feel like they're asking that question out of you know, like innocent curiosity. Sometimes they ask you because they, you know, they, there's there's other intentions there depending on where you are, right? So sometimes they may not ask you like, and so I'm able to kind of gauge that just based on gut feel. And then I can kind of determine the context and then have that conversation, you know? Um, and and I, I, for those who'd never heard about Sikh tradition before, you know, I talk about it um, in, um, you know, again, depending on the context, I try to talk about it from a value standpoint in terms of like, you know, what are some of the key values that, that, mm. that we represent um, and what are some of the things that they may have seen in like what you just mentioned there, what they may have seen in the media from members of the community, whether that's, you know, um, doing food drives and, um, you know, helping out people out the bushfires and mm. um, whatever it might be, you know, I try to give them a real reference that they can point to. But from a value standpoint, you know, I talk about, you know, where a community, you know, originally, um, you know, began in Punjab, north of India, um, during the 15th century, um, by our first guru called Guru Nanak Dev Ji. Um, and his whole thing was at that particular point in time, challenging um, a lot of the status quo um, in from a social political standpoint, and also a faith based standpoint, um, recognizing that, you know, um, you know, that there was an opportunity there to, to really try to have people think critically about, you know, what they were participating in through their mm -hmm. practice. Um, and from that, you know, was founded the Sikh tradition. Um, and, you know, very much represents um, this notion of equality on all levels, um, whether it be uh, through gender, um, through, uh, you know, um, uh, society, generally speaking, so through class, um, this notion of equality is really important. And, you know, Sikh tradition is very much grounded in human rights before human rights was ever a phrase, you know, so yeah. the, the, the standing up for those who are often forgotten about or who are not given an opportunity to, to speak for themselves, um, to serve uh, the community around you and try to impact the world in a way that leaves the world in a better place than it was before you got there. Um, you know, so I try to touch on some of those things, you know, and, and talk about it from that standpoint so that people have real world connection to, to it. And it doesn't just feel like I'm, I'm theoretically talking about something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because then I think it makes it a bit more real, you know? Yeah. I'd, um, the questions that you must get at airports, um, in terms of, and forgive me, I forget what the, um, now more symbolic, 
uh, uh, little uh, sword. Um, mm, the Kaban, yeah. Yeah, but I, I found it fascinating one of the first times you um, staying with me and talking about um, uh, how part of the responsibility initially was that um, uh, not for myself but for others to defend and now you carry it as like um, uh, I am to um, uh, be ready to defend the underdog, to defend those who, who are doing it tough and um, even to the point of giving my life. Yeah. Um, and, of course, um, Sikhs have this um, uh, in, incredible uh, witness in so many different countries uh, when it comes to they're known for their discipline and the way that they serve uh, with honour um, uh, in uh, the military and, and things like that, which, again, um, is part of the tradition that's often lost on people. Yeah, and, you know, one, one way I kind of break it down is, you know, my appearance is uniform. You know, um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, yeah, there's a discipline to maintaining it and there's a personal development aspect to it. And there's a respect of that comes from appreciating that, okay, well, you know, um, you know, a higher power has gifted me what I have, you know, and there's also a level of res- So therefore I should keep it as it is. But then there's also um, a level of respect for our guru. So it's like, I want mm-hmm. to, I want to try to live how they live because they are the highest of highest standards. And so mm-hmm part of that is wanting to maintain a similar kind of appearance to them or to, to mm. live life in the way that they live. But it's, you know, also a uniform. And by that, I mean, you know, particularly if you think about the context of the subcontinent, right? So the sure. people in the subcontinent know what the Sikh community stands for, what it's about, because they're, at, they, they're very close to the history, right? The social mm. justice history, and um, the, all the things that you just spoke about there in terms of standing up for the oppressed and the marginalized, even if it means sacrificing your own self and your own well-being in order to do so, because that's just and that's what, what is demanded of the time. So the people are aware of that context. So um, it's, it's an unspoken common knowledge over there. So, mm. you know, if they are in need, they are in trouble, they can identify as sick by the way that they look, their uniform. And can and know that because that person represents that uniform, that they are then bound to that duty. You know, if they are to, to be called upon, that they are bound to that duty to then have to help, to, to, to help yeah. the person in need. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just a, a discipline thing on one level. It's also to let the world know, like, we don't ever, like, there's never in Sikh history, and it's only been a contemporary thing, um, in the in the West, but never throughout Sikh history has there been a lamenting of the fact that we are a minority group. If anything, it's been a, 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 a proud point to be like, okay, well, we are who we are and we're proud to be what we are. We recognize that this path, and it's, it's, it's said within the Guru Granth Sahib Ji, that uh, you know, walking this path is like walking on the edge of a fine blade. You know, like it's not easy. So there's not going to be a lot of us, but we appreciate that, accept that, respect that, and are grateful for it. And so therefore, you know, like um, we are bound to that duty we wouldn't commit ourselves otherwise that's you know it at a you know a level of okay well that's how it should be for all people is it like that for every you know for everybody and do they practice in that way you know that's you know i suppose you know like any other way of life right like (laughs) there's no parallels for us we've got no idea what you're talking about (laughs) i was thinking as you say it's like um cornell west um talks about that uh, his breastplate of righteousness is a three-piece suit. That, that's his that's uniform, right? right? That's right. That's right. Um, but, Drew, uh, uh, as was talking, I, I could hear, um, you know, the parallels between the Peace Church expression as well, um, that being a minority isn't 
uh, something to be, um, uh, you know, shunned or, or scoffed at, that, uh, that there's uh, set aside in um, particular and pe even peculiar uh, beliefs and practices that are for the good of others. There's some, there's some amazing parallels there. Um, Elfresh, the, uh, I think of KRS-One talking about um, one of the few places where um, Dr. King is still quoted is in hip hop. Mm. Um, and your experience of scripture through hip hop, do you think um, it came across to you as uh, something that was oppressive or, or liberating? Was it something that um, uh, turned the world upside down or did you see it as something that propped the world up as it is? How, 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 do you, how did you experience the, um, this quoting of the Jewish Christian scriptures um, through hip hop? Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 my impression was that it was always empowering. Yeah. Um, and, and from the standpoint, for the most part of like, um, it instilled within people faith, you know, that they were being looked after, that there was a greater purpose and yeah. that, you know, that their, their time was going to come because, you know, God had their back pretty much. You know, and, and that they, they, no matter what life threw at them, no matter what the hardships were through their, their circumstances that, you know, they were always going to, you know, be grateful to, to God. Um, you know, that was the, the, the message that I got, particularly, you know, from Tupac's music, you know, like sure. who, who I dived massively into, you know, um, you know, who, you know, constantly spoke about, you know, that, you know, I'm never going to be mad at, at God, you know, he constantly spoke about, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be grateful because, you know, like the, the, everything is a blessing and, and, you know, even the curses are a blessing. You know, you get that sense of optimism that comes yeah. from, I feel like his, his connection to, to whatever his faith practice was. And I don't know how deep he dived into scripture, but um, I know he was well read. So I wouldn't put it past him to have been, you know, really diving into scripture that way and finding a sense of faith and, and strength from it. Um, so, you know, that was, that was the, 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 the impression I got through hip hop music when I went to uni and like, I started to learn, uh, I studied, um, uh, you know, part of my degree was, was studying, um, uh, history and, you know, I, I'm a big history buff. So like, well, I'm not a big one, but I enjoy it, you know? So like yeah, yeah, yeah. learning about Australian history and then, you know, I, I, I got that you know, that oppressive side of, um, you know, uh, Christian practice through knowing um, about um, Australia's history, you know, and, mm -hmm. and how um, protectionist policies were utilized and how the church was utilized and yep. um, in, in, in many times negative ways, in some, in some ways, in some instances in positive ways also. So, you know, um, there's, there was, there was, there was definitely that experience and also kind of then learning as I got older about, you know, the history of colonization and how, um, you know, faith was utilized in, in certain areas, um, even in, in places like India, you know, to try yeah, to uh, totally. subvert um, and uh, people and, and to, to um, divide communities and things of that nature, not just in the subcontinent, but throughout the Pacific and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. So, you know, uh, coming to terms with, with, with that as well, um, you know, over, over time. But generally, going back to your question in hip hop, it, the sense I got was, you know, that it was an empowering connection mm. that that many artists had, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, we on the show. I mean, we always are looking to dive into those. I mean, and I think you expressed it beautifully. Just the ways in which, at times, we can see in people's lives how empowering it has has been, right? And 
and liberating. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, um, it's more than clear that it's been abused mm -hmm. and used to impose oppression and injustice and to justify all kinds of stuff, right? And so, yeah. um, and I think that I, I'm still lingering with how you mentioned, even up when you were telling your own story about your, some of your first encounters, you talk about how you, it was through people's lives, right? Mm, yeah. um, and I, I just think that that's really beautiful, but just that's the complexity of it, right? And that to um, me is the, like that, that to me is the best like example of faith, you know, faith in practice to me is the best example of how to appreciate and learn about a faith, mm. you know, because, uh, you know, like the theoretical stuff is all well and good, but like, I think the practice is so important, you know, and, 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 and it resonates on a feel level, you know, and if you can feel it, then, you know, that to me is then a very real experience and an experience that is relatable. Um, and it makes me want to be inspired to learn more about that. You know, like I, I, I'm very much a believer of like, and it's why I don't necessarily talk a lot about my own personal connection with my faith necessarily, unless I feel like, I want to, but for the most part, I don't in my music and in my work because I just want to live it, you know, like I'm, I yeah. know I'm not perfect. I know like I'm far from it and I have a lot to learn. And like my practice is very much a, a lifelong journey. So it's like, but yeah. I just want to live it. And, and if people can be are inspired by that and then feel like they want to ask me a question, I'm happy to answer a question. Not that I have the answer, but I'm happy to answer a question. So I feel like, you know, similarly, with people like me, whatever their, their faith background, you know, it's like if they're practicing what they are, you know, the, to their best of their ability, what they're learning, then similarly, I'm inspired by that. And then I want to learn about where they draw their inspiration from. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Th there's a reason why L fresh, um, sorry, uh, that flavor Flav will yell, you feel me instead of like, do you comprehend what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a different, it's a different epistemology. Like it's a, are you actually experiencing it? Like, that's right. That's um, right. That's right. Drew. Yeah. Yeah. So one of um, the things that we're also interested in is as you're thinking about, right, your engagement with, you know, these different points in which you encounter scripture. I'm even thinking about you telling the story of, your mom having these scriptures by the side and saying she respects it. And I'm think I'm curious, we're always interested in like, what do you gift? What might you gift the world, especially as we're thinking about this idea of scripture, um, how might your own experiences um, in terms of how you even interact with it, whether it be through hip hop or lived through other people that you might be a gift for other people to consider. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I might need you to, to clarify that. I don't know if I fully get what you're, what yeah, you're saying. So like, like, what do you mean by gift? A gift as in like, what from your, ex what, what might you want to encourage other folks to consider that you've learned from your own life as it relates to engaging somebody else's scripture? Right, I get you. Okay. Yeah, look, man, I think um, approaching... Um, people's faith with open curiosity i think is important you know like yeah, and 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 coming from a place of like like you know like i think there's the and this is the 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 feel of and this is what i was touching on before jared when we were talking about you know like that the 
where I felt like I, I grew up in a generation where religion wasn't spoken about. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of insecurity when it comes to talking about religion, mm-hmm. you know, and people yeah. feel like, you know, if you were to probe into somebody else's religion, then to do so might, it feels like it almost would reveal your own insecurities to, to do so, you know, or, to, or mm-hmm. it feels like it's, it's something that you, you know, you shouldn't do. Um, but you know, I, I feel like if you, if you approach a conversation with, with genuine curiosity and, and a willingness to appreciate and learn, not necessarily so that you can implement it for yourself, like not so that you can kind of, you know, be like, okay, well, I'm asking so that I can then, you know, therefore that, you know, and if they're answering, that means that they're trying to convert me because that's coming from a place of insecurity, but more yeah. so from a place of like, I just genuinely want to know because I'm curious as to what inspires you and, 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 and like what motivates you and like how that um, then impacts the world around you. Like, I just want to learn about that because it's, it's great to experience and see, you know, I think that, that, you know, is, is, is definitely a positive. So for example, like in the lead up to doing this podcast, I was explaining to my wife, you know, a bit about Jared, you know, and how we met and like some of the work that you do and particularly as a, as a leader um, in your faith, um, you know, the, the active, um, the activism that you do and talking about the sit-ins that you did, you know, in, um, you know, politicians offices and stuff and just how that was inspired by your faith and your belief and, and how that was very much, you know, a part of, you know, you felt your duty as a, as a, you know, as a person of that faith tradition to do that, you know, and that to me is, is then, okay, well, I want to know more, you know what I mean? Like then I come mm. from a place of curiosity of like, okay, well, I want to know because like that's a great action to take and that's an inspiring action to take. And that's come from a place of, you know, being connected so closely with your faith that you feel like it's your, your duty to do that, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, I would say just going back to your question, you know, like I think trying to firstly to acknowledge that to ask questions and to, to be curious doesn't have to come from a place of, you know, um, insecurity, but to come from a place of, you know, genuine curiosity, I think is really important. And, you know, that can, can really just create a much more beneficial and dialogue, you know, and, and, and I think, to be honest, in Australia specifically, I think we need more of that. You know, I often talk to people and, and, you know, one thing that comes up, particularly talking to people who have some sort of spiritual connection, whether that be through faith or through, um, you know, whatever their spiritual t- tradition might be, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Australia is a, a godless place, you know, <laughs> like a godless country, you know, like, this, you know, you don't feel a sense of, of, of spirituality here. Whereas, you know, it's like, actually, this is very spiritual country, you know, for, yeah, for totally. thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years is a very spiritual place. So, you know, I think we could really benefit from more conversations about, about that. And I think if we came from a place of, genuine curiosity and not from a place of feeling insecure about talking about it, then I think we would be, um, you know, we would, we would reap the benefits of that. I feel. Yeah, yeah totally. And in terms of like feeling it, that like um, with songs like faithful, I, I used to wake up to faithful um, mm-hmm. like that first year when you dropped that. And um, uh, I, I know for you, it was talking about like uh, where you grew up on the side of Sydney, you grew up in um, that experience. And, um, but you know, the nature of um, the creative arts, people will make it, of it what they will. And, and for me, um, you know, I, I worked to it in terms of like my guru and, and wanting to follow him and, and like live his love and put his teachings into practice. And 
um, uh, it, that I, I feel in your music that that sense of um, I don't know that there is something um, uh, devout without being pietistic. There, mm. There's a um, the, the sense of um, spirituality without it um, uh, being clunky dogma. Or I love what you put in terms of um, uh, you know insecurities lead to people playing. Pros- um, you know, proselytizing games where it's about yeah. coercion instead of, um, you know, as Gandhiji put it, that um, a, a flower does not need to advertise itself. Um, <laughs> yeah. If it's beautiful, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, and you 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 will be able to to appreciate it in in its in in its complexity as it is. You know, it doesn't need to speak of it. Just on that, on that that point about faithful, like that song for me is like my personal favorite on the album. You know? And, yeah, really. And, it is, man, and like I, I still, it's still one of my favorite songs to perform. Yeah, me too. Like just because of the feel of it. So many years later, it's still one of my favorites, and it's actually a very spiritual song, even though yeah. it's not. It doesn't come across that way on the surface, and for most people. Um, and I was actually explaining this to to um, you know my wife the other day. I was I was preparing for a live like a st- live streaming set, and Faithful's a part of it. And I was playing the instrumental, and there are two probably two things in that song that that people that would definitely one that would definitely most people won't hear it um and and i've never spoken about this um and i but i feel that this is the appropriate platform to 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 shit to talk about it and the other thing is a lyrical reference which is you know the chorus itself you know i stay faithful though the road may be long i stay faithful in my belief to carry on i stay faithful though tomorrow may never come still i wait for the day we can return to the sun initially that line, that last line was, so that I wait for the day we can return to the one. Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt that was going to be too, like, too, like, you know, spiritual, like too, it was going to be too much. So I, I kind of just, yeah, are, are people going to go that extra step? Yeah. And yeah, but yeah. that does come from, that does come from sick um, philosophy and, and, and ideology is that, you know, the goal in a six life is to, um, reconnect with the creator you know Mm. to re to reconnect through our practice through our actions and through our behaviors that is the purpose of our life is to dedicate ourselves to that spiritual connection so that we can return from where we came you know like Mm. we were blessed with this 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 human form and this opportunity of having this this um knowledge of self and this awareness so that we can fulfill that purpose animals necessarily while they have consciousness don't necessarily have the same intelligence and self-awareness to be able to achieve that same goal whereas we we do so you know that does come from sick philosophy and and, and train of thought and teaching then in the, the the part the hook after that course oh no sorry in that chorus part just sitting underneath there there's a vocal part which you can't really hear unless you're really, really, really like listening to it. But me and um, my producer at the time, Michael McGlynn, as we were working on mm. the song and we were trying to come up with a chorus, we came up with this initial idea because we were talking about that last line in the, that, that I just spoke about there. And so we were talking about, you know, how do we express this? And before we got to that line, we, had, we came up with this other idea, which was I am you, you are me, we are one. Hmm. Right. And, um, and similarly we were like, okay, it was too, it's too preachy. Like it's too, it's too, you know, like spiritual kind of thing. Like it is, and coming from a person with a turban and a beard, it's going to feel like religious music. And we just didn't want it to have that impact. We wanted it to be more broadly, um, you know, appeal, you know, appealing. And, and so like, 
That part though, if you listen in underneath the chorus, Mike sings that part really softly. It sounds like an instrument, but he sings that part in the chorus and it sits yeah. there underneath, underneath those lyrics. And huh. you know, like, yeah, I've never told that to anyone. And, and like, I don't think anyone's ever picked it. And I pointed it out to, to my wife the other day in the car. And I was like, listen to this. This is one of my favorite parts of the song because this is something that I genuinely believe in. But you know, it's something that is a feeling thing. And so it added a feel to the song without it. I'm going back to listen for it now. You know that, right? I stay History's the future, it repeats like the barrel of a gun Here it comes, full circle to hurt you, I never run Some stare at the sun, trying to absorb the light You turn their heads to the struggle and ignore the fight I recognize the lives of my people On the street, trying to eat too Was told my son, they're out to beat you So careful who you speak to Cause they tend to cling at least to Teach you wrong and then unleash the beast in you But I see the real, in the eyes of those that you judge Understand the plight of those that are addicted to drugs See a child is a child, we all starve the same Trying to evolve from rats to escape from this racing game I'm taking aim at myself I say I'm faithful as hell My ears to the streets Cause we got a story to tell When best to listen Cause wisdom got me living to learn Time to take a step back And give your people a turn I stay faithful Though the road may be long I stay faithful In my belief to carry on I stay faithful Though tomorrow may never come Still I wait for the day We can return to the sun I stay faithful Though the road may be long I stay faithful In my belief to carry on I stay faithful Though tomorrow may never come Still I wait for the the day we can return to the sun, I stay faithful. I stay faithful. I stay faithful. I live for today and not tomorrow This life is a gift that'll return one day Like it was borrowed To the most high, the maker You see, there is nothing greater Than letting go of it all And watching the cards fall Cause we all cling too tightly to what we don't need So much so We'd rather watch our fellow man bleed Than to see him succeed I wonder what drives you When I look inside your eyes I'm trying to find you So we can speak man to man Openly and understand No games or tricks Are hiding behind the picture Like a cameraman Your inner vision's never tainted Listen closely to your heart's message. Go out and say it This life is too short It only lasts a while You learn a lot about a person When they let go and smile They're sharing a moment with you If only for a second Love and faith put together Is a powerful weapon I stay, I stay faithful Though the road may be long I stay faithful In my belief to carry on I stay faithful Though tomorrow may never come Still I wait for the day We can return to the sun I stay faithful Though the road may be long I stay faithful In my belief to carry on I stay faithful Though tomorrow may never come Still I wait for the day we can return to the sun, I stay faithful. I stay faithful. I stay faithful.
I stay faithful. We should um, pivot to the text because in particular, uh, I'm really keen to hear um, your reflections. Um, uh, for me, it was uh, sharing in the, the langar, the, um, mm. the, the kitchen experience. Um, that, that was my first time uh, um, that a, a Sikh had ever invited me to, to share in um, uh, that meal. And uh, Drew, it happened on the same day that um, Elfresh had joined me um, uh, for a love feast, which okay. um, is, is huh. a, a peace church expression of right. um, right. uh, communion. Um, so it, it's not merely a, a wafer and a little shot glass. It's a, as the early church did it, it's a garpe meal or a love meal, a love right. feast, as it's talked about um, in the New Testament. Um, and yeah, that was, meals are really important to um, both uh, your minority expression and the peace church uh, minority um, expression. Um, so I, I feel that uh, that would be like exciting to explore and all the rest. But I was going to say, I love the fact, so Drew, here in Australia, um, Triple J is, um, so like the BBC in the UK, we have the ABC. Um, and Triple J is like, um, how, how would you describe Triple J to people overseas? Well, they, 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 they describe themselves as a, the youth music radio station, right? Um, and yeah. so they play every genre um, and it's, it carries a lot of weight in that, you know, it's kind of like totally. if you think about the impact of, you know, college radio in the States, you know, particularly back in the day, like it, you were getting played on college radio meant that you could, you could tour, you know, in that, yeah. that area. If you get, we didn't have the, 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 the amount of diversity of co- the amount of college radio stations that are in the, in the U S we have just triple J. So if you're getting yeah. played on triple J, it meant that you could, you could, you could justify t- doing a national tour. You were getting booked on festivals, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it has less weight now than it, than it has had because of, you know, the, just the change in the music industry, mm. but it still, it still carries a lot of weight and it's still, you know, a go-to particularly for, um, a lot of, you know, young people. And as, when I say totally. young people, I mean like, you know, 15 to like 24, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. still carry well, I'm still listening to Triple J. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going by how they describe themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it's massive and they do um, uh, this thing called Like a Version and um, uh, Elfresh was tapped on the shoulder, um, which is huge. I mean, you know, I'm Tame Impala. Like these are kind of um, uh, like it's, uh, when Charlemagne the God or um, Kanye West um, comes to Australia, they're on Triple J. Like it's yeah, it, yeah. it's a okay. um, big deal. And um, uh, I loved what you chose. And because um, knowing you well, it, it says heaps about your sense of humour and your humility. But also that um, you, you did bring your culture and that you constantly hold... Um, uh, with your sense of humor um, yourself in such a way that does want to, to share with other. Do you want to tell that little story before we like open up the text? You got time for that? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we, we, um, we did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> remix, remix with um, Pajabi MC, um, Mundi Atabachke, which, you know, Jay-Z did a feature verse on for the US release um, yeah. of that song. So, you know, we, 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 we mixed those together. I mean, we, just to contextualize it, like when I got approached to do it, um, I wanted to do just the Punjabi MC song because I was like, no one has 
been on this segment and ever done a you know Punjabi song. Yeah. I don't know if there'd ever been a person from my community, definitely not from the Sikh community, but even just from South Asian communities, there might have just been a handful of people ever in the history of that radio station do that segment. So I was mm. like, you know, I want to, I really want to represent, you know, like I just want to yeah. do it, do it well. And so, um, you know, we, we, we chose that. And then when I was in the studio with, again, going back to, to my, my mate, Michael McGlynn, you know, we were in the studio rehearsing and we were putting it together and we were just trying to like find a way to expand it. Cause we were like, okay, the Punjabi MC song is going to be something. Yeah. People know, but like, how do we get something in that everyone knows as well? Like it's just guaranteed that everyone knows this is going to relate to it. And we were just playing around and we were listening to other like versions and, um, you know, there was this thread at the time of people doing theme songs from like, whether it be TV shows or, you know, whatever, or movies. So we were like, okay, just playing around and we were talking about our favorite TV shows. And then, you know, um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song came up and Mike was just on the keyboard and he was like, he just had this look, you know, you know when you, you, you're with someone and they have that look on their face where they've just made an amazing realization and they're just like, Yo, <laughs> you know, like, you know, so Mike, Mike plays the chords for, you know, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then he's like, yo, guess what? I'm like, what? And he goes, it's in the same key as the Punjabi MC song. <laughs> and we were like, okay, boom, it's, it's, just, it's just meant to happen. Like we have to combine these two together because like, it's just a no brainer at that point. So yeah, that, that's what we ended up doing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to do, man. It was, it was a lot of fun to do. And I had to learn like, because you know, that style of rap that, you know, Will Smith did for that song was not a style that I was like accustomed to doing. So it was a different yeah. type of delivery. And so like, I really totally. had to practice it to try to just get that, that tone right. Yeah. Like listening to that compared to um, Drew, I'll send you one in uh, 100,000. And like, it's like the delivery is like chalk and cheese, which says a lot about like your skills on the mic as well. The the fact that you can mix it up like that is, uh, is amazing. Mate, um, in, in terms of this particular text, um, were, were there things that um, stood out for you uh, uh, um, uh, questions or uh, I- insights or things that were meaningful or um... yeah, I mean there there the, there were a couple of things that really stood out. I mean the the beginning, um, you know, uh, in terms of you know Jesus uh, healing, um, you know this this man in front of him who was suffering like, and just the questioning then like that he he, he um, proposed to, to the people in attendance like it, it just reminded me a lot of um, you know a lot of the, the the mindset that you know Sikh tradition really started with and then you know like in terms of like the one of the main kind of um, uh, you know social political commentary of that time from Guru Nanak Dev Ji was an attack on the caste system yeah, you know, yeah. in 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 India at the, or the subcontinent at the time, you know, and still prevalent today is this idea of caste, where if you're born into a particular caste or a, a, a level in society, that you must remain within that that caste. So mm. you you must marry within it. Your 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 field of employment is determined by your caste, um, and so therefore there's a hierarchy in society based on class and right. how you are, the, you know 
to identify by that usually is by your surname, you know? So like mm. um, Guru Nanak Dev Ji was a big, you know, and all the gurus were, you know, massive critics of the caste system. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that, that you know, um, you know, there were many examples throughout the life of, of all the gurus where they, they really kind of tackled that. But like the, linking it back to this, this conversation around food, um, you know, Guru Nanak Dev Ji started, um, what's in our tradition is called langa, so you know community kitchen. Um, when you know he was given money by his 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 dad, and he was asked to go out um, and buy a few things, and and on his way saw a bunch of a mix of uh, it was like religious you know holy people um, yeah, just kind of by the side of the road, mm. um, and decided instead of going to buy what his dad had told him to buy, that he was going to feed these people. Mm-hmm. And he was going to sit there with them and, you know, everyone's sitting on the floor. So they're all on the same level and, you know, and, and, and therefore started this, what, you know, became known as Lungard. And so like, it's now a tradition that continues within, um, you know, all Gurdwaras around the world. So, you know, a really bad translation for a Gurdwara is a Sikh temple, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, is inaccurate because Gurdwara means like door to the Guru or home of the Guru. And yeah, so right. the Gurdwara is not ever, was not ever just meant to be a place for only sick people to go. It was a, a, a meant to be a place for the entire community. And the, the, mm-hmm. the, the Langar Hall is like the, 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 a good example of, especially if you go to, to like Punjab or you go to, to India, the subcontinent, when you see a Gurdwara, like, and you see, it's not just people of the Sikh community who go there. That Some communities, if not for the Gurdwara, like some people wouldn't be able That's to survive. Right. That's right. They wouldn't be able to eat. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's people all walks of life. And the idea is that everyone must sit on the same level. No yeah. one's given priority. And so throughout the history of Sikh tradition, it's like, you know, kings who have come to meet the guru have been made to sit on the floor next to somebody who's from a, a caste, which was referred to as untouchable. Like mm. if you touch, it was considered, if you touch that person, you're going to become sick, you know, like, and so um, that I, I really appreciated, you know, how, um, that um you know a chapter opens up you know in that conversation and that dialogue because it just really reminded me of that challenging of you know um hierarchy you know and and i really appreciated that um and and i think that's this just now it's so i still feel it's so relevant like yeah, now totally. it just feels like it's so relevant um and yeah i, I definitely appreciated that yeah i i think um, your tradition, Elfresh, gives like an amazing insight because the parallels are exactly the same. And maybe it's only in like, um, you know, this pandemic that people can understand the fear of actually touching another mm. and that, that sense of, um, uh, you know, contagion and that it, contagion actually will draw you into wherever that person is as well. Um, and they're the, the very dynamics that are being played around in this particular passage um uh, uh we were talking earlier the week that um marcus borg talks about jesus was crucified because of who he ate with mm. <laughs> yeah if, if you want to understand how this is such a threat to like the religious establishment at the time and that's what the pharisees are they're the um uh, those who in a situation of oppression so there's heightened anxiety <coughs> as well um, they're trying to actually see um, um, social uplift and they want to see if we're pious, um, uh, then uh, God will act in the Roman uh, Empire, will lift its um, foot off our neck and we'll be free. And so in that context, this is when um, 
this is who home they're in. And Jesus is just messing up this dinner party in a, in a massive, like it's, it's pretty subversive. Yeah. The question I did have, and, and this is like a context question. Um, what's yeah. um, the, the uh, reference to the Sabbath day? So, you know, when he asks, for mm. example, you know, um, is it um, lawful to do this on, on Sabbath, on the Sabbath or not? What's, yeah, what's the significance yeah, great of question. Sabbath day? Yeah, they were both um, written as well as oral traditions that kind of gave parameters for how they practice their faith. And uh, there would have been a whole wide, long range of oral and written laws that would have said that what you shouldn't and shouldn't do on the Sabbath as a way of honoring God. Mm. And so you're not, some of it was not working, right? Um, And so even to the point that somebody would have considered healing someone work on the Sabbath, Mm. right? Mm. And so Jesus is questioning, um, and this is a theme that we see in a lot of Jesus' teaching is, I mean, he'll say it more explicitly in other, at other times, you know, is the Sabbath made for man or is man made for the Sabbath, right? Mm. And so for him, it, it should be a liberating thing. And they're somehow interpreting it in such a way and trying to be so pious that it's becoming an oppressive thing, right? Yeah. And so he's actually um, subverting, which at that time, when we're thinking about the law for their people, like, the religious law is the civil law is the social yeah. culture. Like it's all one and the same thing. Yeah. So he's, he's challenging. It's like civil disobedience uh, yeah. of a, at some point, just as much as it is religious. Right. That's um, right. And so it's just interesting to see when you think about those dynamics that he's really fundamentally asking them, what is, you know, this tradition all about, what's the purpose of it. Yeah. Um, and, and if it, is it for healing and liberating and empowering people or is it something else? Yeah, I love that, man. And, and like that, that very much is, yeah, reminds me of, you know, a lot of the stories from Guru Nanak Dev Ji's life where, you know, he was really critiquing practice, religious practice from mm-hmm. the standpoint of like where it became just ritual. Yes. And I was like, what's the point of the ritual if it's not serving a purpose that is of benefit to, to you and those around you, you know? And there are two stories that kind of came to mind just as you were talking there. Like one where, you know, there's, you know, a community of people who um, as part of their religious practice would um, go into the river and splash water a particular way. Um, and Guru Nanak Dev Ji went in the, the river and splashed water the other way. And these people were like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, or an, another story where he went to, to visit Mecca and, um, you know, uh, he pointed his feet in um, the wrong direction that people were not supposed to point their, their feet in the direction, um, you know, because it was just seen as disrespectful um, that you were pointing your feet in the direction of where Allah was. And he was, you know, in both instances, he's like, well, tell me where God isn't. That's right. <laughs> you know, so like if I put my feet here, if I put my feet here, uh, you know, so like, I, 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 yeah, when you were just speaking of that, it just reminded me of of, of, the, of, of some of those stories. Yeah, Elfresh, you, you got it. Like in the, in the Jewish imagination, um, Sabbath was the commandment that once they were set free from like the oppression of Egypt, um, where they worked seven days a week and everything was about being a slave, that they'd been brought by the Most High into a new alternative. And Sabbath was about you remember that you yourselves were once oppressed in Egypt. Mm. And so the whole thing was supposed to be a celebration of freedom, a celebration that like God is in the business of freedom, that liberation is kind of God's job description. And um, yet under the oppression of the Roman Empire, the thinking of the religious elite, the Pharisees was, if we are righteous for just one day, God will act 
and end the oppression of the mm, Romans. Right. So that's why they're going after the sex workers. That's why they're going after the tax collectors who are making money off um, people paying taxes to Roman Empire. They're like, if these people just like sort out their spiritual messiness, um, then we will see. So they both want liberation, but um, much like the stories you're Process telling, Jesus. Exactly. Jesus is mm. um, going, how does this happen? How do, um, how is it brought about? So before Jesus is ever turning over temp, uh, tables in the temple, um, mm. he's in people's homes changing table dynamics. Mm. And um, he, in terms of Jesus, like riffing, we were talking about <laughs> MC Hammer, like uh, sampling Prince. He, he's sampling Isaiah, who um, uh, Isaiah is like um, in the, the hip hop, pantheon of hebrew prophets mm. is like n- number one and jesus quotes him more than any other and uh, isaiah 25 in terms of his vision that god's future not pie in the sky when you die in the by and by but on earth uh, as it is in heaven it is a banquet it's a party mm. and there is rich food for everyone and everybody's on the same level and Jesus is um, uh, drawing on that poetry, which the Pharisees would know. They, they know mm. this stuff better than um, anyone, and yet he's turning it. So I love this moment where um, it, trans- <laughs> it transitions in verse 15, and I, I can imagine this happening. Um, uh, when one of those at the table with him heard this, like after Jesus just bringing smack down yeah. at this party, um, uh, he said to Jesus, and you can you can hear the anxiousness of, oh, let's let's kind of make this law less awkward. Uh, blessed is the person <laughs> who will eat in the feast of the kingdom of God. So he's trying to go, well, we can all agree on. And Jesus goes, you're right, and let me give you this one. You thought that was yeah. bad. Let let's go to the next level, like yeah. which is is pretty incredible. Yeah, Drew, have you heard? Um, Mike Frost has this bit where uh, I don't know the scholar who he's drawing on but he thinks that Jesus had snuck into this Pharisee's house. I've so never heard that. There, there is this practice at the time that there, there were two invites and um, uh, the, the first invite that uh, this event is coming up and the second invite is um, people from the household actually going out and inviting people in. You remember how we told you last week, this is the, and uh, Mike Frost has this thing that, um, uh, one of the things um, because of um, uh, Jewish Torah um, that you can't turn away a sister or a brother to celebrate the Sabbath meal. Right. Um, in fact, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Munich, but there's a really a Spielberg film about um, Mossad, um, Eric Banner. And there's this powerful scene at the um, end of um, Munich where he's like, come, let, let's celebrate Shabbat, the um, Jewish meal to remember God's liberation um, of the people from Egypt. And uh, uh, somebody says no. And that's the kind of weight of the whole thing, that this was actually about politics. This actually wasn't about what it is to be Jewish, that he won't share the meal with him. And so he shares that Jesus isn't even really meant to be here, but this um, uh, homeless, uh, itinerant um, uh, troublemaker who foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, has snuck out into this meal with the religious elite and is causing the trouble in light of that. And I, I love that as well. I was like, wow, that adds a whole, yeah. whole new layer. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but that, that, that would be interesting. I mean, that's rich. I right? do know that it, that certainly culturally, I mean, it, what, it wouldn't be strange for 
uninvited people to join in. I mean, that's how, I mean, you think about the other Jesus story, which is this woman who's uninvited, who comes into the Pharisee house and starts um, anointing Jesus' feet with her hair, right? I mean, it's uh -huh. that same kind of dynamic. And so yeah. you can see the cultural play that makes that kind of scenario possible. Yeah. One of the beautiful things, Drew, about um, my experience of the Lingra, and even how you uh, talked about it as the, uh, the doorway um, to the guru, um, is that it is open to others. Like it, it's um, uh, not only is it this like delicious food um, that's prepared for anyone and everyone and these people are, are serving uh, together and there is that sense of, because um, uh, obviously these meals, whether it be uh, the, the Lord's table or communion or the langa is so important to our faith because it says something about where the world is going. Mm. what God desires for all things. That, that mm. This is a sense that the, the creator um, has a, a desire for how we are to be together. Mm. Um, and it's expressed physically in this, in this meal, not as something all the way out there, but something we're sharing in right now, right here. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, uh, as you put Elfresh that, um, it, you know, it's um, f faith in action. Um, yeah. Seeing what it is. I want to share a story like um, in, uh, I don't know where I want to go with it, but I just feel like I want to share. <laughs> yeah, go when, um, when I was um, at um, the Hamanda Saab, which is uh, the, probably the most well-known Gurdwara in the world, which is uh, in the West referred to as the Golden Temple. Golden Temple, yeah. And um, it sits in um, the city of Amritsar on this body of water and um, the Lunga hall there serves, you know, it's got to be over a hundred thousand meals a day, you know, like, um, and wow. uh, when I was there last with my family, um, we were, you know, we had Lunga and then we went, um, we stuck around and, you know, when you get the opportunity to go to, you know, the Hamandasab, one of the things that you want to do as a, as a Sikh is that you want to, volunteer there you want to do some sort of service there because like it's 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 you're not there every day you know what i mean and you hear countless stories of people in our history who have dedicated their lives to doing what we call seva doing service community service at the hamandasab at the golden temple and just you know how blessed they are to be able to have the opportunity to do that on a regular basis. So when you go visit you it's one of those things where you just like I want to take that opportunity, right? And so um, you know, we were there and, and, and we were, the Lunga Hall is huge there, right? So one section, while one section is being utilized for people to, to eat and be served current at present, another space is being tidied up, you know? So the, the mats that you sit on is being rolled up and the floors are being swept and, um, uh, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff by, by the people who are doing um, seva there. And, um, we were, uh, you know, and it's all being coordinated by other volunteers who are, you know, there's, there's like a, you know, someone's obviously coordinating it and, and they're saying, okay, well, you guys do this, you guys do that just to make sure it's organized. And um, there was this little kid who, you know, would have been, it wouldn't even been like primary school age. So I reckon like under the age of six, right. Who's there rolling up the, the mat and um, me and my dad are also rolling up these mats and they're like, you know, this, they're like a yoga mat in terms of like, um, width, but in terms of length, it's like 
massive. Like they, they stretch from one side of the lunga hole to the other, right? And you think wow. maybe like in one row, I don't know, maybe 50 people can sit, maybe 50 to 75 people can sit. Yeah, right, wow. So they, they stretch the, the whole length of the room. And I'm rolling this up. And I'm like, I get like a tenth of the way and I'm starting to feel my forearms burn, you know, like, and it was like <laughs> tiring, right? And you just keep going, keep going, keep going. And there's this little kid doing it, right? Like he's just, he's not even six years old. He's just doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. And me and my dad get to the end and we finish and we're like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'll go over to try help this kid out, you know? And I go help this kid. And he's like, ah. I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to help you. Like, no, nah, get away from me. I'm like, oh, he's like, I was like, no, nah, leave me alone. And then I'm like, oh, all right, sweet. And then he gets to the end and then, um, you know, when you roll it up, it's, it's quite heavy, right? And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, let me go over now. I'm going to go help him pick it up because surely he can't pick it up. He's like picking it up and it's just as big as him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like hey, man, <clears throat> do you want me to help you? He's like, no, nah, leave me alone. And he goes and he goes in and puts it where it's supposed to go. And then we were talking to the coordinator who was there was obviously laughing at us because he, he's obviously seen this play out before. But he was like, no, he's like, this kid is here every day. He's wow. like, this kid is here every day and he's doing this every day. Like no one, like, no one touches him. No one like tells him what to do. Like he, he just does what he does. Like, and, and we just enjoy watching him be that committed and hmm. that, that focused in, in his sailor, you know? And, um, it just, again, brings me back to this point, you know, I suppose this is maybe where I wanted to go with it is that, you know, like it's that, that faith in practice, you know, and it's, and it's that yeah. the feeling of, of wanting to do service because not because anybody's telling you to do it, but because you want to do it. And because, yeah. Yeah. and because you feel also that it's, 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 it's your duty. You feel inspired to do it and, and that this is the right thing to do. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, how big or small you are, like, there's a role for everybody and we're all equal on an equal playing field, you know, like um, yeah. in, in the eyes of, you know, higher power. I'm picking up the pieces of my heart now, looking up at the world from where I passed out. I lost my shine, so my hopes are with the stars now. See, I embrace defeat when I let my guard down. But that's exactly what they tell a man You're worth more than all the people that you're better than So when we're hurt, we destroy rather than lend a hand Forgive me world, I'm just trying to be a better man I'm not competing, I'm simply feeling defeated And knowing that to proceed, destruction is to be greeted Allowing my eyes to bleed till all my tears are depleted Cause for new life to grow, the rain is certainly needed So let it pour, let it pour, let it pour out I wanna be free from feeling these doubts So let it pour, let it pour, let it it pour out this well keeps letting I'm me down blood upon my shoulder drowning in an ocean from what if I come waves crashing over belly of a soldier defeated by his own gun defeated by his own gun what if I become I said goodbye not long after I was welcomed Cause love was seldom seen and I rarely felt it Saw the state of the world and what some had dealt with Wore my heart on my sleeve and tried to help them 
But it affected my health Cause in trying to save the world I couldn't save myself I felt my wounds reopen I can't forget them man Forgive me well I'm just trying to be a better man But I'm too weak I'm too polite when I speak Taking advantage of too easy When I open my reach I'm too much of a thinker And aim too high when I dream So when reality hits I'm too quick to fall to my knees Those closest to me They treated me like the seasons For whatever reason I became accustomed to them leaving Their voices speaking were feeding my inner demons and they kept them repeating so i began to believe them so let it pour let it pour let it pour out i want to be free from feeling these doubts so let it pour let it pour let it pour out this world keeps letting I'm me down Challenges can change your perspective You can try to control and perfect it But peace is found when you learn to accept it And come to terms with nurture and respect it Mistakes only dealt with if you correct it I speak to my reflection hoping it'll understand And maybe one day I'll be I'm a better man I'm spinning over on my shoulder Crashing over, barely off a soldier Defeated by his own gun, defeated by his own gun What if I become Yeah, is, it was is reminding it, me of um, Dr. King's, what is it, his one speech, talking about service. And everybody can serve. Great things everybody can serve, right. Yeah. You, um, you don't need to know Einstein's theory of relativity, relativity to serve. You don't need right. to know the second law of thermodynamics to serve. To serve you don't yep. need your um, uh, noun and verb to agree to, to agree. serve. Yeah. What you need is a heart full of grace okay. and a soul generated by love. Love. Because right. anybody can serve, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. And so Jesus put, uh, and is the Sanskrit, is it, um, is it seva? Is, is that service? Yeah. So in, in our language, in, in Punjabi or in Gurmukhi and Sikh tradition, seva is, is, is reference seva. to service. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's not Sanskrit. That's... It, it may have come from that. I mean, there's yeah, a right. connection between, between our language and, and Hindi and, and that root tradition. So possibly. Yeah. 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 Cause I know the, the traditional, um, uh, Sikh greeting is truth, greatness, God, right? Is that how it translates? Yeah. So truth is timeless, you know, um, well, it depends on, on, um, you know, what, 
which greeting you're you're talking about. I mean, there's there's the general greeting which in um, Punjabi language is um, satsuryaka, which um, you know is you know truth um, is is timeless. You know, and and huh. essentially when we're talking about truth, we're talking about talking you know, God. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's how we say hello and goodbye. You know. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. And then the more the more formal um, greeting that we use is vaigurujika kalsa. Which is um, that the uh, Khalsa, which is, you know, um, the uh, those within the Sikh community who um, take or participate in a ceremony called Amrit become a part of uh, the Khalsa, which is meant to be, or rough translations, like the pure one. So like now you've committed, you've essentially, through the process of going through this ceremony, you have essentially given your head to the Guru, meaning to say that your life is not yours, your life is for the service of the Guru, and therefore yeah. is for the service of humanity. So um, Vaigurujika Khalsa means, you know, the Khalsa belongs to, to God, and that Vaigurujiki um, Fateh means victory. Fateh means victory, so victory belongs to God. So all victory mm. belongs to God. Um, so those are our, uh, so the formal greeting being Vaigurujika Khalsa, Vaigurujiki Fateh, and Satsuriya being a more kind of, um, you know, more, I suppose, spoken um, kind of greeting. Yeah, well, uh, I know you've seen my, my Gandhi library, but that's how I know some Sanskrit is um, <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, Sat being uh, truth or yeah. soul. It can be translated in the Sanskrit uh, as well. Um, it is amazing. Uh, I am... Um, um, Sing and the L in El Fresh or the full El Fresh the Lion, of course, is a, a reference to um, uh, the, the sense of victory in the lion as well, right, for you? Yeah, and so, you know, the L and, and lion in my name comes from Sing, which is, you know, the, the name, it's intentionally meant to be the surname um, of all men in the Sikh tradition. Um, the word Sing means lion. Women are given the name core which means like royalty mm. um and so this this connects way back to our conversation about caste you know and, and one of the identifiers of your caste is your surname so at, at some yeah, point wow. within um sikh tradition our 10th guru guru gobind singhji when he started the the amrit ceremony or formalized it in this way when a person became a part of the khalsa they abandoned their surname and they took on singh or core so therefore, mm. you know, they, you can't tell what cast they're from. They're now castless. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. it's like Malcolm X. Like it's That's a, it's exactly rejection. what I was thinking. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of Malcolm X and right. others who have changed their names to, yeah. in that way, loose themselves from literally the plantation names that we carry with us. So, huh. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. Um, Drew, I remember, I, when was it was like 2014 or maybe it was early. Um, and, uh, in, in a very clever marketing move, um, Snoop Dogg changed his name with, a, <laughs> with the reggae album, which I mean, there's Snoop Dogg, like uh, there's some great tracks on, on, on that. And hey, uh, what did you guys think of his gospel album? Uh, you want to go oh, first, Drew? I haven't listened, listened to Snoop's gospel album. <laughs> I, I literally gave cool. it one l listen through. I think um, I think musically it's phenomenal. Like, I mean, you know, when you're at that level, whoever's producing your stuff is just so gifted. And it's a question of like, what kind of brilliance you're going to get. Like, so it, it's super smooth, all that side of stuff. Um, uh, I found it difficult to take seriously um, because of, uh, 
you know, um, Snoop Lion. Like, I wondered if this was just another kind of, is this genuine uh, or is this a clever yeah. marketing, um, you know, has this been dreamt up at a boardroom somewhere? Um, how, uh, and, you know, gospel music um, is it, just that. It, it's about the gospel and uh it, it's n- not merely um stylistically and that's why right. if you listen to chain like chance the rapper um you can feel it okay. like it, it it feels like um it's coming from that heart space that this is yeah. um i'm singing in such a way that i'm experiencing what i'm singing about yeah and um uh i don't need to take that on faith with chain mm. i know that's his um, and we knew that ever since Ultralight Beam, right? Like, so whenever he got that verse and he just ran with it and his whole whole yeah. thing, like career is just taken off from there. Um, while with Snoop Dogg, I'm like, is, is this another nice niche? Is this yeah. like a, I mean, it, some great tracks, like, um, but I didn't, I, I couldn't invest in it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to the album. I haven't listened to it, but I, I remember seeing an interview of him and just a snippet from the interview where somebody asked him, you know, like, uh, I can't remember the exact question, but, you know, his reply was, you know, I've always been gospel. Even when I was gangster, I was gospel. Um, and that kind of just maybe was like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing here. You know, it was definitely that kind of marketing um, angle versus the, you know, am I being genuine about this? Maybe he was genuine. I mean, I know, I know the church is very much a part of, you know, African-American culture, um, yeah. you know, so he may have been genuine about it, but yeah, no, I hadn't heard the album. Well, it's interesting. Cause like, um, with the exception of like Sikhs in, in Canada, mm-hmm. who for the, the first time for um, you as a people are kind of getting mainstream recognition and kind of becoming part of the establishment for, for Sikhs elsewhere around the world, that hasn't been true and that's um, part of the strength of our identity. That's also true in terms of um, uh, Christianity until, you know, Emperor Constantine and the church got into bed with the state. And so there's always been two expressions of Christianity after the fourth century. Um, one, a, a prophetic minority that um, is still turning over tables and eating with the wrong people at the tables and um, transforming the way that um, uh, people uh, gather. And then those who take the positions of honour and uh, will do it while quoting the one who died the most dishonourable death there is in the Roman Empire, crucifixion. Um, and so there's that great irony all the time. Um, and with with most traditions, you're, you're wrestling your way through. Um, am I getting imperial um, chaplaincy here or am I getting uh, actually the you know, the heart of this whole thing. And uh, yeah. like you, you performed Connor West, right? When he did uh, yeah. his tour, um, yeah. he articulates that stuff so well. Like, yeah, absolutely. Man, he's, he's, so, you know, his appearance on Q&A in Australia is hands down my favourite episode. And I, I hate Q&A, mm. I can't watch it. It makes me so mad. But like, <laughs> he, he, you know, and just to contextualize like Q&A, like, is a panel show where they've got a moderator and they have politicians and, and different, you know, figures on there um, talking about the issues of the day and the audiences, audience gets to ask the questions, you know. Um, and it's, it's, very, it's very much a political show. And, you know, so much of, and the frustrations that come from people, myself included, is that, you know, especially when politicians on there, there's so much political spin that it's just, it defeats the 
the purpose of that show, which is that you get to ask a direct question to a federal politician and that you yeah. hopefully are going to get a, you know, a direct answer. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but when, when Dr. Cornell West was on there, man, oh my God, I was in tears watching that episode yeah, because, wow. you know, like he, he just, the way he articulated his points, the way he spoke about, um, you know, it's really complex issues in such a beautiful way. You could tell he's such a skilled orator. Um, oh, but it's, yeah, it was, was phenomenal. So yeah, I had the opportunity to um, perform um, a track uh, during uh, one of his speaking tours here in Australia. And, you know, like I was just kind of, the, the moment I remember, I remember two moments quite clearly actually. One, I, was, uh, I had gotten there for soundcheck and I was hanging out in the green room with... Um, uh, Jared, uh, you'd be aware of uh, Maxine, Maxine Beniba Clark, author hmm. um, and poet. And it was the first time I'd met Maxine. And so we would, we were just hanging out in the green room and um, I was just thinking of, Oh man, what am I going to do? And what am I going to say when, when, you know, Dr. West walks in, you know what I mean? Like oh, I've known of him obviously through hip hop and the connection there and just, you know, seeing his stuff online and uh, there was just that nervous energy that I had and I could feel Maxine had that same nervous energy. And Dr. West walks in and just comes over as if he's known both of us for a lifetime and just gives mm. us a hug. And he's like, I'm yeah. so glad that you're both here. And I'm just like, Whoa. he just dispelled the entire nervous energy that there was, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that'll stay with me in terms of just, you know, a way, again, going back to practice in action, you know, just the way in which a right. person... Um, conducts themselves and the, the energy and the aura that they have. I mean, that's great humility to be able to 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 to, to um, act in that way, you know. Mm. Um, and then I remember leaving at that at the end of that night. He was in a um, meeting and greeting people who had come to the show, and you could tell he he'd gotten you know a bit tired at that point. And um, you know, uh, I was just saying goodbye to him. And and again, it was just like he'd known me for a long, long time. He was like. Just yeah, I was just blown away by that that the way that he he, he goes about you know um, loving people. Yeah, and it's genuine. It's yep. it's, it's yeah. real. It's not forced. It's not it's not what you get from politicians, you know. Yeah. Which is that you know I care about you while I've got my public face on, but then I'm going to go home and my real stuff is going to come out. You know, like yeah. And there's an element I think of all of us to that to some degree, but not to that level of a, the way in which a politician does, where you can just feel the disingenuous. The, the 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 disingenuineness if this if that's even a word but um it's now it is now. you're a hip-hop artist you can, you can language, make words up that's what you do subvertic language but yeah you know um yeah i mean cornell west yeah constantly blown away by just you know his activism and and one thing that stays yeah. with me with me about him i think some someone asked him at some point if he ever considered going into politics and he said no i can do much more outside of the realm of politics and rather being on the periphery um right. and i can within the political mechanism itself and you know that 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 kind of I, I think about that a lot you know because there's 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 some power to that in terms of you know the constraints that exist within the political frameworks you know yeah. versus the ability to be yourself and to be able to speak your mind and your truth um uh you know whenever you know, is, is I think is is quite important. But yeah, mm. an amazing human being that uh, I'm grateful to have, to have you know been able to share the stage stage with. Yeah, me too. Like, it's phenomenal. 
Drew, um, we could talk about Cornell West <laughs> oh, <laughs> for, for weeks weeks on end. Um, uh, Elfresh, I don't know if you, you remember this, but you actually text me. Um, uh, I was in the States. I was with him on stage the week before he did the Q&A and did that tour. And um, you text me and I, I knew what city he was in because each day um, I would get texts from people in that city in what was the middle of the night for me. Um, uh, but uh, I guess because I spent the week before with him that he just kept lifting up um, the stuff we've been doing in every single city. So people, <laughs> it's the middle of the night and I'd roll over. Um, it, like staying with um, uh, Reggie in Chicago, um, and uh, in his basement, and I'm like, oh, there's messages from people about that. That was super special for me. He's just so generous and genuine. And he's like that with every... We were walking back from um, uh, a, a gig in Chicago, and um, uh, this this guy who obviously, you know, the street was his home, uh, recognised him. And we, we stood and talked um, with this guy, and Cornell West ask questions of him like he had just asked of the famous musicians that were on, on this platform as well. Um, uh, like, how are you doing? Um, wh what do you need? Like, um, yeah, it, his, his support was so genuine and um, he was real subtle uh, as he was doing it. And I think this is okay to share, but as he's talking, he's pulled out his wallet and he's pulled out money and put it in his hand. And so when he greeted him that last time, there was money in his hand as he greeted him. But, you know, um, not in a way that anybody else could see, not in a way that, mm. um, and, you know, no questions about what's it going to be spent on or like um, any of that kind of stuff. Just right. Cornell West is, is the real deal. Mm. And I, I love him dearly. He's a, he's a massive inspiration for, for all of us, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Elfresh, this has been awesome, man. man. You're welcome before, back. Before he goes, though. Oh, please. Before you go, I know I'm sure people would love if you could just drop a couple bars for us. Yeah, for sure. I wanna I wanna share something. Um, and this is this is an old verse that I did, but I think you guys will appreciate it. Um, because of kind of what it touches on. I think it, it speaks to some of the stuff that we just spoke about. You know, hmm. uh, and and. And I, I tend to go to this, I've been going to this a lot recently, um, just in, in, in certain moments because, yeah, I, I just feel it's appropriate for now um, as well. And it's just been coming to me. So, yeah, I'm going to share this, this, this 16 bars here. It goes like this. Peace. You can search the world but never find it. And travel ages trying to capture what is timeless. Only the sun and the moon know what time is. You can speak the loudest but truth is found in silence. It's a miracle we're surviving when nations are genociding and people are losing sight of everything they believe in, misconceiving the meaning of love. Our hearts are bleeding and people are seeking guidance. And our leaders are misleading us all. They quick defeat us a cause, we give rounds of applause. They make it to the top, they surround us with walls. Cause once they receive power, they start fiending for more. It's a cycle. We need to rock the top to break out and know your surroundings in order to find a way out. If life's a game, I'm not waiting for it to play out. I'm down for the fight every day now. Man, oh man. Right. Mate. Right. Mate. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm so 
excited that um, you spent this time with us. Oh, I love you dearly. I'm so thankful for what you do, uh, not just on the stage. And you rock a show, my goodness, oh, Drew. You've got to see El Fresh Light. His energy when we're allowed on stage. To, when we're allowed to be yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 2030, when we're allowed to be in public again, you've got to go. So, um, but also what you do when the lights aren't on you, what, what you do in juvenile detention centres, what you do in, in refugee detention centres, what you do with kids who are, um, are present on the street, the workshops you run in high schools and not just uh, elite private schools, but the, the suburbs where, um, you know, um, kids struggle. And you're there uh, doing your craft, doing what you love, but helping young people dream, helping young mm. people go. Um, I was a kid um, who found hip hop um, and it gave me a voice. And what's your voice? Mm. And how can we get a beat behind it? And I love you for it. Like, mm. it, you're amazing, mate. Really appreciate it. You have new music out at the moment, um, which uh, my dear friend Ash London has been uh, playing on uh, um, you know, and that's as big goes as mainstream kind of um, play at the moment. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you got out there at the moment and how people can find your stuff before we let you go? Yeah, for sure. And, and before I dive into that, man, I'm so grateful for both of you guys for having me on, on to chat, you know, and to have this opportunity to, to talk about faith in this way, because, mm. you know, it's, it's quite rare to be able to do it and to do it in a way to be able to speak without being pigeonholed either, you know, mm. like that's definitely an issue that, I've experienced out here when talking about music and talking about spirituality in that way. So to be able to have and exchange this dialogue, I think has been, you know, very, um, you know, rewarding for me uh, personally as well. So I'm grateful to, to both of you guys for having me to, to be able to chat. Um, but yeah, the, the new song is called Oh My. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's the first song that I've ever had that's been added to mainstream radio in Australia, which, you know, I'm super grateful for, for to you for the, again, like to Ash London and, you know, for, for it to be added to, to have that platform. But the song itself, man, like is really, you know, again, like I'm a person who writes in layers, you know, like on one level, the song is about, um, you know, that feeling of inspiration, you know, when we all feel inspired and we feel motivated, we, we, we get the best out of ourselves. And, you know, but that thing about inspiration is it doesn't stay forever. It passes. And so then mm. we lose that motivation. So the song is really about trying to hold on to that inspiration for as long as possible um, and wanting to stay in that moment for as long as possible. But on a deeper level, it comes from, um, the, the the message in this song is 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 reflected in in the in the bars in the in the third verse where I say um taking it back so I could see maybe I'll find a better me inspired by things I've never seen lost in places I've never been and and the idea is that you know um for me that comes <clears throat> that comes from when I learn something about sick history sick cultural history musical history anything when I find something that inspires me it almost feels like I've discovered something that one on one level I never knew before but mm. intuitively has always been there mm -hmm. and 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 that's the when I when I discover that it's a feeling of, of weight and emotional weight of gratefulness and and a bit of sadness to be like man that hole in me exists because I I live in a place removed from where my people have been and mm. to 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 discover these things is almost like I'm becoming whole. And so it's mm. wanting to stay in that feeling of of, of gratefulness and, and gratitude and um and and inspiration and and, and strength in, in when you learn something about who you are 
and where you're from. So yeah, that's the that's the song Omar. It's it's a real fun song. Um, and, and the clip, the um, video clip for it as well is fun. It's yeah, great. the video clip is fun. Like we 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 shot a video like so we shot it vertical so you could watch it on your phone. And and the whole idea of it was that um, we wanted to make a social commentary on um, you know social media hashtags. And, you know, like how we all play to social media for likes and comments. But then at the end of the day, what really matters is that we're expressing ourselves and that we're having fun and that we're able to come together through our expressions. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really creative video that the team at Broken Yellow um, Productions really nailed. And, um, yeah, I'm glad it's out there in the world, particularly at this point in time when, when um, everyone could use a bit of, you know, uh, positivity. Mate, it, th- there's... It's about time. I mean, your first tour, you're on tour with like Nas. Like, um, it, you've got so much respect, uh, uh, those who know hip hop in Australia. Like, you're the dude, like, Thank seriously. Uh, and seeing that crossover into the mainstream, I'm really excited for you. So, congrats, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Much love and, and I hope to chop it up with you guys again soon. Power to the peaceful, my brother. Yes, sir. Thanks, friend. Calling out my Lion Squad crew. Show me your moves. I want to see your moves. Let's go. Three, two, one. Ready? Set. Dance. Pull up, pull up. Yeah, I know about me. Forget what you heard. Trust what you see. I was on the rise while you were asleep. Other side of the world, overseas. I don't give a damn about what they say. I come from a place where we don't play. Everybody in my team got what it takes. The lion. I don't get mad when they don't see me. Tell you the truth, it's a sigh of relief. There's no comparing me. I'm OG. I don't need the attention. I'm in my own league. Build my own style and I come a long way. One way traffic, I'm in my own lane. Without me in it, there is no game. And this the beginning, this the foreplay. So I pull up, pull up. Oh my, oh my. What up, what up? Oh my. Everybody telling me that I'll change Hold up, hold up, y'all, let me explain I was made for more than just to maintain I don't play safe just to get by My people did more than only survive So do I let live or do I let die? The lion All day, every night This is for the fan, this is for the culture yeah. This is for the plan, it just kept me focused I was a major, I was made a soldier Started on the ground, now the sky is closer Yeah, it's like I told ya My parents bought the lion when it came October I shared all my fears and I gained composure Got a Come for my crowd, I'll never hand it over So I pull up, pull up on my Taking it back so I can see Maybe I'll find a better me 
Inspired by things I never seen Lost in places I never been Reliving the time when we were free It's the feeling I find within my dreams So I pull up, pull up on my Shut it down. Game over. The Inverse Podcast is proudly supported by you, the listener. And if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse. 